St. Louis. They call it Gruder St. Louis. The Outline World Dispatch. It's May 4th, 2017. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on The Dispatch, Adrian Jeffries on crisis management in the age of YouTube. A YouTube family accused of child abuse has hired a crisis PR firm. And Derek Gaillot on how TV keeps revisiting the LA riots again and again and again. There are six networks that are doing documentary specials about it. And Annie Martino on why Anthony Weiner's dick is somehow still in the news. So it's sort of like in ether. Here's the dispatch. Power. Up until recently, Michael and Heather Martin played elaborate pranks on their children under the username Daddy of Five on YouTube. Stop! Stop! This earned them over 760,000 subscribers and millions of views. But some other YouTubers thought the pranks crossed the line into child abuse and blew the whistle. Now, a judge has temporarily taken custody of two of the children away. Parents accused of child abuse usually seek help from a lawyer and maybe a family counselor. The Martins did both, but given the extremely public nature of the situation, they've also hired the Falston Group, a PR firm based in Baltimore that specializes in crisis management. Make no mistake about it, the decisions you make today will be judged by many for years to come. So work with the Falston Group to turn adversity into advantage. That's Falston's chief executive, Ron Weinhold, in a video addressing potential clients. The Martins have been derided online and portrayed as villains, especially after one video in particular. I didn't do that! What the hell is that? I didn't do that! You tell me what you did! I swear to God, I didn't do that! In this clip, the parents spilled what looks like ink on the carpet in their young son's room and then scream obscenities at him as he cries and denies doing it. You are going to lose your allowance and everything! Another YouTuber, Philip DeFranco, brought increased attention to the situation by digging into the Daddy of Five archive. He noted that the parents seemed to pick on one child more than the others. Well, they do mess with the kids, a lot of the time it seems directed towards one specific kid, and that is Cody. This is all pretty bad. It's so bad that the Falston Group felt the need to get in front of any blowback with a statement that, of course, emphasized how sorry the Martins are. Quote, We absolutely do not condone some of the content that has been posted to YouTube. But under the circumstances, we did have an opportunity to positively influence a distraught family with our experience, instinct, resources, and mentorship, particularly the children. In the book co-written by Falston's chief executive, Rob Weinhold, He offers some advice for people targeted by a wave of outrage. Call out bullies who are leading the mob. Don't lay too low. Quickly control the message, quote, from the onset of the crisis. Take responsibility for your actions and do something to show you're serious about making things right. And of course, apologize. Quote, apologies decrease litigation, Weinhold writes. But viral unpopularity is often hard to reverse. John Ronson's book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, is all about this phenomenon. There was Lindsay Stone, the woman who posted a photo of herself giving the finger at Arlington National Cemetery. She didn't leave her house for a year and a half. But once she decided to rebuild, she hired a reputation firm, Reputation.com, to create a new internet persona for her that was as uncontroversial as possible. Reputation.com created social media accounts and websites, updated them regularly, and posted a flood of photos to drown out the infamous gaffe. 
The Martins have a much greater challenge since they seem to have exploited their kids for YouTube views and didn't even understand why that was wrong. They removed all their prank videos from YouTube, put up an apology video on April 22nd, and haven't said much since then. They kind of feel like some of it's their fault and it's not their fault. It's, it's not, it's we're the parents and we should have made better decisions. Expect them to emerge eventually, but in the meantime, those kids are probably relieved that they don't have to be on camera. Culture. I'm here with Anne Derek Gaillot, who's been looking into a trend of TV networks revisiting American history, in particular, the 1992 LA riots. So, Anne Derek, how's it going? It's going well. How about you, Aaron? Pretty good. So you wrote this really interesting piece um, about the L.A. riots and for a little bit of background, in 1992, um, L.A. police officers were acquitted after using violent force against Rodney King, who was a taxi driver. And this sparked a series of riots and looting and just disturbance in the city and the region for, for a little bit. And it's a big touchstone in American history and culture in general. And you wrote about how a lot of TV networks are revisiting the LA riots with specials going on right now. So can you walk me through what's happening and what the landscape is right now? Yeah, so um, this April was 25 years since the LA riots happened. So there are six networks that are doing documentary specials about it. A&E is doing one, ABC, Showtime. We thought they're caught on videotape. They were gonna get convicted. This jury told the world that what we all saw with our own eyes wasn't a crime. You just disrespect us like this? Like our lives don't matter? Like pouring gasoline and striking a match. It's not protest anymore. Now it's a full-blown riot. I could just see all around the city stuff just started happening. Everybody's in an uproar. The city is just a glow with fire. They're just revisiting the riots through different news footage and interviews and kind of giving audiences today a deeper, who might not have known about it, a deeper understanding of what happened. And for people who lived through it, it's kind of giving them different perspectives that maybe they didn't get back then. So I feel like one thing that's happening, and you touch on this in your piece a little bit, is the idea that television revisits these moments in history a lot. It seems like what television is obsessed with revisiting is things that television was obsessed with covering in the 90s. And there's a lot of video footage from things like the LA riots and the OJ Simpson trials, obviously. JonBenet Ramsey was also examined a lot in TV specials last year. Right. But it's interesting because not every historical event that may be relevant to today is revisited. So it seems like just ones that were really media circuses are the ones that TV networks are trying to revisit now. Right. You spoke to Dan Berkowitz, who's a professor at the University of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communication. And one quote that really stood out to me that he told you was that commemoration builds solidarity and that it's about looking back and restating cultural values. So are there any through lines or threads through all these specials that are coming out right now? Like, what's the story or the narrative that they're trying to tell about America and its past? Yeah, I think in the specials, um, you really hit it on the head. I think the theme is that we haven't really gotten over or understood further these things. Like with the O.J. Simpson specials, there's still people on both sides defending him or, or 
saying that he's guilty for the specials about Jean Benet. The focus of all of them is that it's still a huge mystery. And I think why there's so many, so many people are watching the LA riots movies now is because it just feels so like we haven't gotten past it at all. So my family immigrated to the U.S. from Jamaica um, like 40 plus years ago. And the OJ trial happened right after I was born in the 90s. And it was one of the things that our community was really captivated by. It was, everyone was talking about it. And it really kind of set a climate for what America was going through at the time. And I feel like these specials kind of do that for people right now. Is that something that that you're seeing, that you talk to people about? or Yeah, so I actually talked to Jill Eady, who's a communications professor at the University of Oklahoma, and she said that these types of commemorative TV events are actually a really, really American thing because we have so many new people coming into the country all the time. Um, and I talked about you know young people learning more about pasts they may have lived through but not known as much about. Um, and new people moving here and new people being born both are being folded into like or being um, brought into the cultural conversation through these movies. Um, so what's to come next? Are there other events the TV might revisit? Yeah. So actually this month, ABC is premiering a special about the death the last 100 days of Princess Diana. And then in August, there will be two more programs about that event. Then I predict that next year there will be programs about Waco. But I really think that these like clusters of news specials are going to continue for a long time just because nowadays we do have so much video of events from the 90s and 80s and early 2000s. All right. Thanks, Anne Derek. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Power. So I'm with Outline staff writer Andy Martino, who has been following a routine oversight hearing at the Senate Judiciary Committee for FBI Director James Comey. How's it going, Andy? The most exciting day of my life, Aaron. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. So, Andy, this hearing with FBI Director James Comey happened on Wednesday. What went down? Well, it was just a routine oversight hearing where the FBI director goes to Capitol Hill and reports on his work and what's been going on. This one had a lot of extra intrigue, Aaron, because of two topics that the public is particularly interested in. One is about the questions of the impact that Comey had on Hillary Clinton's defeat, of course, the decision in late October to notify Congress that he was reopening an investigation into her emails. And the other thing was the Trump-Russia investigation. So between those two topics, it really gave Democrats and Republicans alike a plenty of room to be unhappy with and castigate Comey. Uh, Chuck Grassley, who's a Republican senator from Iowa, began the hearing with a speech saying that a, quote, cloud of doubt hangs over the FBI, end quote. The Republican was beating up on, on Comey. And then Dianne Feinstein, the Democrat from California, who's the ranking member, really went after him and some tough questions about why he went public on the Hillary email stuff at that late a juncture in the election. So that's what was going on. And that's why there was general interest. That's why people were monitoring this hearing more than they would, Aaron, a regular oversight hearing at the Senate. Right. So at some point in the hearing, there was a conversation about how Anthony Weiner's connection to the Clinton campaign and how he had access to documents that 
compromise the campaign or put it at risk? Can you catch me up on what was happening with that? Yes. So, right. Anthony Weiner and his dick uh, seems to be part of every uh, political story over the past couple of years. So it's sort of like in the ether. And this is no exception. In this case, what happened was the investigation that that turned up these Hillary Clinton emails that caused the, the big disruption towards the end of the campaign actually turned up through an independent, separate investigation that the FBI was doing about Anthony Weiner possibly sexting with a minor. So they had Weiner's computer and the FBI discovered that there were many, many emails from Hillary Clinton forwarded to Weiner's computer. So this was the reason for this October surprise. So it all it, it really did come back to Anthony Weiner's sexting habits potentially costing Hillary Clinton the election. We can go down a whole rabbit hole of debating why Hillary lost, but that is one reason that a lot of people have cited. So Anthony Weiner was was a topic in this hearing. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham asked Comey about it and began this whole line of questioning that brought some levity, which must have been a relief for Comey. Do you agree with me that Anthony Weiner of 2016 should not have access to classified information? Uh, yes, that's a fair statement. Would you agree with me that if that's not illegal, we've got really bad laws? Well, if he hadn't... Right. Well, he got it somehow. It would be illegal if he didn't have appropriate clearance. Well, do you agree with me? He didn't have appropriate clearance. He did. If he did have appropriate clearance, that would even be worse. I don't believe at the time we found that on his laptop that he had any kind of clearance. Yeah, I agree. They had it back and forth for a while, and finally Comey ended up smiling, one of the only smiles that he was able to muster for these several hours. There's no Anthony Weiner statute, but it is, there's already a <laughs> Well, maybe we need one. There's okay. already a statute. All right. In a really tough day for the FBI head in which people in both parties are mad at him about either Hillary or Trump and were questioning him, and some real news came out about both of these things, it all came back to Anthony Weiner and those many, many pictures that he took of his dick. <laughs> Great. Well, Andy, thank you so much. I appreciate you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been enlightening, Aaron. Have, have a nice afternoon. You too. That's it for The Dispatch. I'm Aaron Edwards. See you next week.